Praise be to God. Let's turn to Psalm 29. Psalm 29. How great and awesome our God is. He said, where two or three are gathered in my name, God didn't say he's going to send an angel in our midst, not even an archangel. He said, I will be there in your midst. Hallelujah. And because God is here, we're able to worship him. Because God is here, we're able to know his presence and to feel his mighty working. Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord. This is Psalm of David. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The only worship that is accepted with God and acceptable to God is a worship that is offered from holy vessels. God will not accept any other worship. So we need to find out, how can I be holy to be able to offer this to a God who's way beyond me? He dwells in holiness. He is holy. How can I possibly give him what he wants? It's when the Spirit of God is allowed free sway in our lives. When we invite God and say, Lord, come into my home, into my heart, and begin to sweep away all the things that are not supposed to be there, Lord, so this temple can become holy. The temple in Jerusalem became defiled. I was meditating on this just yesterday. I was thinking, what a tremendous grief for God. When he himself was so excited, it's true. God knows the end from the beginning. It's true. But because he knows what is going to happen, doesn't mean he's also God of the present. He knows when people are true to him, and they are building a temple, like they did in Jerusalem, he's fully involved, and he's fully rejoicing. When Solomon offered a prayer, a lengthy prayer, and he made sacrifice to God, and the fire of God came down, Solomon's prayer was, Lord, remember us. See this big structure, Lord? It's for you. Lord, when we're in trouble, because you told us that you will be in this place. And our eyes turn to you and this temple. When our enemies are around us. When the weather is not favorable. When we don't have rain. And there's no food. Lord, remember us. He made this request. This king, this great king. God was listening from heaven to every single word. And when the Lord heard, he responded. Just what they're looking for. What's the use of prayer? If we don't know God is listening, number one. 
Number two, if we don't know that he wants to help us, we might as well pray to idols and demons. Have a good luck charm and wishful thinking. Solomon prayed and the man had faith. All of Israel were gathered. All of these couple of million people. The priests are there. Everything is so spectacular and splendor. But then the fire of God came down. God answered by fire. And the glory in the temple was so weighty, it was so heavy, that the priests who were called by God to minister on behalf of the people in the temple could not stay in there. What was God showing by that? He was showing, when I'm in your midst, there's no equal, there's no comparison. And when I'm in your midst, the entire place becomes sanctified. He told Moses, do not come near. He thought it was an ordinary vegetation that's on fire extraordinarily. But he thought to himself, you know what? I'm going to get closer and closer unless I can, until I can investigate this thoroughly. That's when the voice came from that burning bush. He said, put off your sandals from your feet. Because the place that you're standing on right now, you don't know it, it's holy. This is what God does. Every time we come into his presence, he says, make sure that you're able to worship me in the beauty of holiness. Because you know why? When that connection happens and we are giving God holy worship, His holiness comes down like that heavy weight where we are flooded with that, with that presence. And then our problems begin to lift. Only God can do that. But who can connect with God unless we ourselves are sanctified? Now in this psalm, let's go back to the psalm, that holiness is laid out clearly. Now, consider this. How many churches have you been to? Maybe like me, you've been to quite a few churches all over the place, even in other parts of the world. And you know what? It's the places where people have the genuine understanding of who God really is, that they go in there very carefully. They don't go in there gossiping and, you know, wiping their mouth from the candy bar they just ate. And turn off the radio from whatever music, even if it's worship music, quote unquote. They haphazardly come in to the presence of God. Now, we are against dead formalism and ritualism. Where you have a pomp display, a pompous display. Where you have robes and curtains and lights. and All those things have their place. But, they're not required for the presence of God to come. What is God looking for? A broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. So broken, which means in the Hebrew, broken to pieces. We learned about this. Contrite means in the Hebrew, crushed to powder. So a person that comes to God must realize, I am nothing. I am nothing. God is everything. And that humility will be there that will cause the person to be able to offer 
the worship that God will accept. So coming in to God's presence, even when we pray by ourselves, but especially in the midst of God's people, in God's presence, requires us to be able to connect with Him. And the Spirit of God can do that for us. He can open our eyes, our understanding, and then we get that nearness to God, and then we can understand who He is. The more we know God, the Bible says, the people that know their God shall do great or mighty exploits. What exploits? To pray and seek God answer by fire. Now, it may not be the physical fire. It could be. God can do anything, anytime. But it's a fire that comes in and begins to burn the devil's resources. Everything Satan comes to keep us down, discouraged, and then looking for the next fix. God sees humanity. And as I mentioned about the temple, he was so grieved. He was so, it's like having a baby born. And then, death. Whether it is almost immediate, tragically, or five years down the road, or 50 years down the road. Imagine how that parent feels if the parent is still around. Some people say, well, this is life. God gives and God takes away. But if you have emotion and you have a heart, you'll feel the loss. God birthed the truth in David's heart. And the man couldn't rest until he said, I'm getting all the materials for this temple. Everything before I die. He said, I'm not giving sleep to my eyes until I find a place for the Lord. And God says, you're not going to build it. You have blood on your hands. He was a man of war. But your son is a man of peace. He's going to build a temple. David was content. He was so excited. He said, Lord, you gave me a job to do. And I'm so thankful you chose me to get the materials for the temple. And then he was excited to install Solomon and know that Solomon's going to build a temple. Well, he was happy, rejoicing. Who? God Almighty. The God in heaven, seeing a, a, a minuscule structure by comparison. He's the God whom the heavens cannot contain. He created the cosmos, which scientists are still discovering. And they say, we don't even know when this thing ends. We keep discovering new distances. They can only approximate the size of the universe. They can never figure it out. God is bigger than the universe. So why would he find such delight in a tiny structure, virtually a speck in Jerusalem, on the face of the earth? Because he said, my name is going to be there. He said, this soil is special. Jerusalem, Jerusalem is where my name is going to be forever. So much so that even though this world will go away, the new city of God in Revelation that's going to come down is called the New Jerusalem. Nothing unholy will go in there. Well, this structure, temple, the fire of God came. He was so excited, but then he was so sad. The grief of God because they began to bring in all kinds of filth into God's house. They brought creeping things, 
images of Baal, Asherah, all of these foreign gods who are really demons. And they made structures for each of them and they bowed down to them. God said, I am the real God. And they said, no, they're the real gods. And they betrayed the Lord. And he kept warning them. Finally, he said, I'm done. He, can you imagine God's eyes in his heart? He's looking down. I tell you, God was not indifferent. The grief that this temple, which I hoped that my people would come into and keep holy so I can keep blessing them, give them the rain in due season, cause all their enemies to be afraid of them, increase them, more and more. Make them the head and not the tail. Above and not beneath. Lenders and not borrowers. The opposite is happening. They're becoming the slaves again. They're becoming those who need to borrow. They're becoming those who are now below, not above. God's heart was broken just like a parent who sees a child. I've given you money, education, and you're going and wasting it on drugs and alcohol and sleeping around. You're getting diseases. Why did you, why did I ever have you? Can you imagine the grief? It can happen. Yet, God said, if you just turn to me now, I will forgive all your sin. You know what they said? Sure, Lord, we'll do that. And they lied. They gave God lip service and he told the prophets, see what they're doing? Ezekiel. They are so happy sitting in front of you, prophet, man of God. The words that I'm putting in your mouth, they're saying, say on. We love to hear it. It's like music to our ears. Keep preaching. But he said, Ezekiel, I want to show you behind closed doors. Come with me. And he showed Ezekiel right through their house walls. You know what they're doing? Bowing down to creeping things, detestable idols. And God said, this is why... I'm going to destroy the temple, allow it to be destroyed, and I'm going to put them in bondage. So they may know the difference between serving me and serving false gods. See, God didn't give up on his people. But I was meditating on the grief of God. How hurt God would have been. Then I remembered when God made man by Genesis 6. It's written, God Hurt in his heart. He said, these people, they continually think evil only from their youth. And he told Noah, I'm going to have to put an end to them. But you, I found righteous. I'm going to start over with you. He said, I waited and waited. They keep killing people. They keep going into all kinds of evil immorality. They're abusing one another. I told them to stop. They're not listening. And they're just proliferating this evil everywhere. It's contaminating everything. I got to start over. I'm going to wipe out actually the face of the earth too. With a flood. Can you imagine the grief? God made Adam and he didn't just snap his fingers. He could have. But he made the clay and step by step. Then he breathed into his nostrils. It was such an intimate creation. With no other entity that he ever created, did he ever breathe like not even angels. He took this clay and he formed him so beautifully and perfectly. This is my son. Not Jesus, but this is my human son. 
And then he breathed into his nostrils and then the man woke up. He became a living soul. God's hope was, this is a man in paradise. I made him perfect, no flaw. And I'm going to bring him a wife. No flaw. Everything was beautiful. You know why? Even when they were unclad, they were innocent. When you think about a baby, does the baby get shame because it's not having clothes on? No, it's so innocent and pure. You know why? They had a harmonious relationship. None of the perversity that we think about when we think about grown people without being clad, they had the glory of God. Also, there was no selfishness at all. They took care of each other. There was no, give me, give me. It was always, what can I do to make you well and happy? Beautiful, harmonious relationship. So God thought, you know what? I'm going to give them children. Eve was excited. I've gotten a man from the Lord, a man-child. Cain, what happened? Murder. Downward spiral. By the time Genesis 6, God says, it hurts me in my heart. Can you see God hurt? And then the temple, hundreds of years later, it hurt God. And then right now today, God is still hurting. Even though he's so great, he says, Israel, why are you destroying yourself? I came to give you life and happiness. I'm not the one who wants to rob you from enjoyment. It's the devil. He's lying to you. When he gives you immorality, it's a complete lie because after you engage in it, you feel guilty. You know why? Because it's wrong. And you can't run from it. People go on vacation, they start a new business, they even get married all over again or find somebody and they think, you know what? All of these things will just shut down and dumb that voice that keeps haunting me. And the devil says, I will let it be dumbed down. I'll give you a drug to numb you, but it's not going to go away. Then at the opportune moment, many times at the point of death, the horror of it comes to the person and it's too late. They're trembling as they go to face God. And every sin begins to crush them. And all the demons laugh around them. Now they got them. Got them. There's no escape. But will the devil show you that? No. God shows us the truth and the reality. That if we don't understand that the wages of sin is death, it'll kill you. And we don't take action now. We're going to be able Unable to escape at the end. God says, I want to be happy. I thought about this. I thought, God, you are so hurt so badly because everything that you've given humanity, they've corrupted. Technology, corrupted. Food, corrupted. Genetic engineering and all, everything that God gives good, they corrupt it. And then they have to deal with the mess. God said, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and seek my face, pray and seek my face, 
and turn from their wicked ways. Too often we are told half a truth. People say just get it off your chest. Go to church or go to the pastor or priest or whoever it is. Just unload so that you can have some peace of mind. But it never takes it away. Until we repent, which means we leave that thing and destroy it, which God hates, we'll never have freedom. But it's God that gives us the real freedom. It's God that gives us that freedom. So holiness is essential. That will cause us to be in right standing with God. How do we get it? It's through the blood of Jesus. But the blood of Jesus must be held in high esteem. We must make sure that the holiness that He's given us, we don't trash it. Because then God will destroy us. He said, whoever destroys my temple, our bodies is temple too. Just like the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, He'll destroy us too. But if a person says, thank you Lord for the truth, I didn't know it was that serious. Thank you Jesus. It's like a person who has a a problem that seems to be a little annoying. They go to the doctor and then they find out this is a serious problem. Usually people take that with more gravity and they begin to act on that because they know that they could possibly lose their lives. God is speaking to us. Give unto the Lord the glory due to His name. Worship the Lord in the beauties of holiness. The beauty of holiness. Let's go to the next verse. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. What does this mean? The people that were around Israel worshipped Baal and Asherah. Those false gods they thought were the God of thunder, lightning and rain. So every time they had rain, they'd worship the demons. The psalmist says, they're not responsible for that. The living God is. He's the God who's over the waters. He's the God of glory who thunders. He's the Lord over many waters. And every verse here, as we continue, it keeps speaking about how God is the living God. Without going further, think about your life. What have you worshipped and how long? They, the people around Israel, they worshipped false gods. And so they started living a life where they thought, you know what, when I have good luck, it's because of this. When things go bad, it's because this idol is not in my life, this God. But God is saying, it's very simple. If you want to be blessed in your life, humble yourself and say, Lord, I'm guilty. I haven't followed your way. Take away my sins from me, Lord. What do I have to do? God says, I will do my part. If you do your part, everything's going to be fine. And God initiates. Because it's God who puts in our hearts to even want to turn to Him. Not the devil. The devil says, don't think about God. Forget God. He doesn't exist. And if He does, He doesn't care about you. He's holding on on you. You know what gets you high, makes you happy? He doesn't want that for you. But that's like cyanide coated with sugar. That's what the devil gives. God gives the real joy. Blessed be God's name. We're going to pray. Hallelujah. 
Even though we didn't get through the whole psalm, God saw this is sufficient. Now we can know. Even though God is holy, even though He demands that we be holy, that we worship Him in the beauty of holiness as we heard, I want to tell you, God loves you more than you know, probably. His love is so great that He's able to instantly fix you. Some believers for a long time, they believe that, you know what, I know God's been good to me, I don't deserve the good things I have in life, but I don't think I can improve in this area. Because I tried and I failed and I tried and I failed. The devil is the one that says, you can't be holy through and through. God says, your mind gets renewed, there'll be a transformation in your life. The word of God will cleanse the mind. The more we hear God's word, the unadulterated word, the pure word, it will begin to transform our thinking. No longer will we be conformed to the pattern of this world. We're in a mold. Most people are in the mold. They drink, they smoke, they do drugs, they buy things that they don't need, they hang out with people that are not good for them, and they think, well, this is my lot in life, and I'll make the best of it and enjoy it while I have it. Not realizing there's an eternity that we have to answer to God for what we did with the gifts He's given us. But then, God's love comes to us like today. And says, I love you too much. I don't want to be grieved in my heart. I'm hurting. Because I see you miserable. But I'm here to change your life because I love you. I want to tell you something spectacular. God really desires, my Bible says, God truly desires every single person in His family everyone who's born again, to become his mouthpiece. Hallelujah. He wants to sanctify us so much that he'll say, here, take the keys. I want you to drive the gospel mobile. Hallelujah. I have cleansed you and sanctified you and I want you to go and save people in my name. Hallelujah. Lord, me, Lord, me, the wretched man that I am or the wreck that I am, Lord, this man, this woman, this child, God says, oh yes, yes. In the natural, everything's going to end bad. But I love you too much. I'm going to turn everything around and make it good. Hallelujah. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord.